Welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Sabina Purpose Lawyer. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping me be on purpose. So today I wanted to kind of direct this episode to anyone who's a musician or an artist who has, you know, perhaps started to find some success and or maybe you're already established. You know, this video is really for you. And even if you're not, quite honestly, this there's still some a lot of valuable information here. So we'll make sure everybody gets a little something. Um, but what really prompted me to create this episode was um, the Queen of Soul. Um, so you might know her, Aretha Franklin, right? She passed away in 2018 and recently her estate was in the news um, regarding um, estate, well, not estate taxes, but really um, personal taxes. But it's interesting that four years later, there's still a lot going on. Um, it really has been a mess, <laughs> a mess to say the least. You know, I've talked about so many um, celebrities and, you know, um, you know, people who are mostly musicians for some reason who have really left their estate, you know, in the hands of the court, in the hands of people who had no business really, you know, being put in charge of handling their estate and or not putting anybody in charge for the most part, right? Not making any plan. And I really want people to sort of to get this so, so that it drives home. So we're talking about it again because it's still relevant anyway, right? So Aretha Franklin, like I said, she passed away in 2018. It's been four years. Um, and one of, one of the major issues that have gone on with her estate is her taxes, right? So the IRS claims that when she passed away, that she owed over $8 million in taxes. And so ultimately her children, her four sons, which she had from different marriages, which is another layer of issues that that's being, that's, that it's causing, um, they, you know, are trying to fight this with the IRS. And this obviously is going to take time because Uncle Sam is not playing. We already know they're going to get theirs regardless of the case, which I find interesting that she did not pay taxes for the last seven or eight years of her life, according to them, or, you know, something of that nature. And they did nothing about it right until she passed away. But in any event, it's, it's, it's been taking a lot of time to get that, you know, squared, squared away. And during this time, her children have not been able to receive any benefits from her estate because they were basically like, no, hold up. <laughs> Nobody's getting anything. We're gonna, you know, sort of like make sure that we get what's owed to us. So finally, in 2021, they came to a settlement back in April where they said, okay, you know, we agree on a number, which was, I think it was like 7.8 million, which was not much different. Um, so where we agree on a number and from the time she passed away, the estate, because it wasn't, it was creating income, they were making payments regardless of the point. And so the payments were being made. So it reduced it to about 4.7 million. So they were, you know, making payments to sort of pay that off. And I thought the breakdown was kind of crazy because it was a really aggressive breakdown. So they had 45% of the income that was coming coming in from her estate that was going to pay off the IRS, right? So to get that 4.7 million or whatever the case was down. Then they had 40% being held in escrow. So held in an account just so that the new income that comes in for this current year, there'll be money there to sort of pay that when it becomes due. So do the math. <laughs> That's 85 percent of the of the estate was actually being held by the IRS. But then finally, 
you know, they also included that the children could get, you know, some distributions from there. So finally, they paid all of this off. And so now it's the back taxes are paid off and they are sort of like just dealing with, you know, whatever taxes that come in. So ultimately, once the children get um, the estate distributed to them, um, then they'll each be responsible for their own taxes based on the income that those assets sort of make every year. Because just because somebody dies, you may not pay taxes on the amount that was left behind, but you will always pay taxes on the new income that is generated from that. But in her case, I forgot how much her estate was, but I think it was something over 80 million. And if that be the case, I'm sure she paid estate taxes as well. And that just basically says like, you know, if you're really over a million dollars, you're going to pay 40% on the amount that you have in your estate. But if you make a plan for that, right, if you make a plan for that money, then you could really avoid paying estate taxes altogether, no matter how rich you are. The IRS, like we know, the tax code is set up for businesses. We know that it's set up for the wealthy and those who can hire people to sort of know, um, you know, what to do with their money. So someone with millions of dollars should have no issue get having and putting a sound estate plan in place. So what does this mean for you? Right. Because I'm ranting here. So <laughs> what this means for you is that there are some ways that you can actually avoid paying estate taxes when you pass away. Now, the income tax you're going to have to deal with. I can't help you with that. <laughs> what you owe is what you owe. OK, um, but there are some things that she could have done. So some of the some of the tricks are one, she could have given some gifts to the loved ones that she had her children or whomever else she wanted to, she could have given some gifts to them during her lifetime. So uh, there, it depends on the state that you live in. There's an amount that you can give. Um, and the IRS also allows you amount up to, I believe it's 22,000 um, that you can give to an individual without getting taxed, right? And it doesn't count towards your the lifetime amount that you're allowed to give, uh, give tax-free, which is right now 12.6 million, right? And so by the time when she passed away, I'm not sure, but I think it was a lot lower than 12.6 million in any event. So anything above that is going to be that 40% that we talked about. But they allow you to give, a, give away a little bit every year. So now 20 something thousand is not going to put a dent in over $80 million of, of, of assets. So you have to look for other um, avenues to also shield some of your assets. Another way that she could have done is because Aretha, I believe, was in her 80s. So she wasn't, it's not like she um, died early, essentially. She had some time to plan, right? And so had she put some of her assets into an irrevocable trust, she could have allowed some of those assets to grow and appreciate or some of those royalties to grow and appreciate outside of her estate. So that means that all that income that was being generated year after year that she wasn't using to live off of or that she didn't really need to use, she could have had that in a separate trust that would have sort of saved her from some of the estate taxes and would have brought down the value of her estate. So that's a, your second tip, right? You could utilize an irrevocable trust if you have um, an estate or if you, you know, expect to have an estate where you're going to have all this excess income, right? This disposable income, then you want to sort of think about having not only just one trust that you have flexibility with, but a trust that can help you shield some of those taxes, right? Next thing is charitable, either charitable trust or um starting a foundation or a charity of some sort, though these vehicles are used to basically um, really avoid taxes altogether. Why? Because we know that the government says we don't want to have to be responsible for 
the poor, the needy, the this, the that, all these, you know, civic things that need to be done. We don't want to be we don't want to be responsible for it. So if you leave your money to a charity, a foundation, any one of these things, or you leave it in a trust that, you know, helps you to um, to achieve that goal, essentially, then you don't pay taxes on that. So essentially, she could have started something like Aretha Franklin School of the Arts or Aretha Franklin, you know, um, school for young kids, boys, girls, whatever it is to, you know, pursue arts or whatever it is that her heart desired. She could have done that. She could have um, left her money to, um, you know, for maybe some sort of politically motivated uh, charity that could have helped to make change in a way that she would want to see change in the world. So there's all these different options other than leaving it to Uncle Sam to do whatever they want to do with the money. You know, she had the choice to actually um, direct those funds, right? So we talked about irrevocable trust, charities, giving trust during life. Um, and there's other, you know, strategies are not the only ones, but are some ways that um, taxes could be avoided, especially for your everyday person, um, not necessarily uh, who would we call Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett. Um, there's other uh, strategies, but these are the three main strategies that your everyday person or even your everyday musician <laughs> is going to um, sort of face. So that's one thing that went on with her case. So now, Another thing that it highlighted to me was that maybe there wasn't a lot of liquidity in her estate because of the fact that, you know, she has royalties coming in. She has things that they're probably not going to be able to essentially sell or they could sell it, but it, it's going to cut off their stream of income that they could be getting, you know, forever. Right. And it's just going to become more and more valuable over time. Um, so having, um, you know, converting some of that to cash or converting that some of that to something liquid so that you'd be able to provide for the loved ones, especially if you have a situation where things need to be figured out or you got to wait for income to come in. So that may have been something that could have um, actually helped for as well. But the other issue that's going on with her estate, because now that they finished paying off the taxes, uh, the story is not over. There's still more. So that one of the major issues is that she had four different wills within um that she left behind so one of them was found in her sofa i'm trying to remember because this has been going on for a while um that was a handwritten one that wasn't really finished um she had another handwritten one that was actually signed i think there was a third that was discovered and then there was a fourth one that was actually typed but not signed that she did do with a lawyer who knows why she didn't finish pursuing that um but this created so much confusion because all of the wills were contradictory to each other. So nobody actually knows what exactly it is that she wanted. So basically what's going to happen if none of those wills are considered valid or none of those wills are going to be controlling, the courts are just going to go by her state law of how she wanted her estate to go. And because she has four sons and I don't believe she was married or maybe she was widowed, um, they're going to be the heirs of her estate anyway, right? But what I wanted to do is in case you are someone and you the the best thing that you could do is work with a professional for all of the reasons that I talk about on this podcast. Um, but if you're someone who who you can't or you're in a jam or you're um, it's an emergency situation and you have to write your own will, then I wanted to give you some tips that will help you to actually, you know, do that or know 
what you don't know, <laughs> essentially. So one of the things that you want to do is if you did have to write your own will as a last resort, um, you would need to make sure that that will says like, this is my last will and testament. And it is, you know, it trumps all other wills that came before it or anything else that might exist. This is actually my intentions as of this date, right? So that one that needs to be clearly stated. The second thing you want to do is to state who your loved ones are, who your heirs are. Like these are my four children that I know and I'm not leaving out um, anybody else or I'm intentionally leaving out this other child and I don't want them to receive anything for whatever the reason is. So you want to clearly state that as many details as you can give regarding who those individuals are is helpful. Um, so you don't end up in a situation like with James Brown estate where he had this other child who was like, I'm actually a child and he would have wanted me to be part of the estate or I'm part of the my children that he's talking about. Um, so you would avoid that clearly stating who your loved ones are. And then you want to say what happens if they're not alive, like at least have a backup person to take their place. Should it be their children? Should it be the other surviving children of yours? You know, so grandchildren or the siblings? What what should it be? Or maybe it's a best friend. And if that person's not around, then who their child or whatever. Right. So you need to have some alternatives in place so that we don't have this sort of situation here. Um, and then what happens if the will is contested? What happens if somebody doesn't like what I put in my will? And they say, well, no, we're four children. We should get 25 percent each. And what if I left 75 percent to one and the rest have to split the other 25? If the one person doesn't like it, you should say what you want to happen. Should they um now forfeit or something else you know whatever it is you actually get to decide so that should be also listed there um in your handwritten will i know now it's getting real long we don't know how many pages this will is gonna be um so then you want to make sure that you know the will is signed um you have to look to your state to find out what is required for that will signing. Like, does it need to be witnessed by someone? Does it need to have one witness or two witnesses? Um, do I have to sign in front of the witnesses? Um, do, does it need to be notarized? Like, what does my state say makes this a valid will? Definitely want to find that out. And some states don't even acknowledge what we call holographic wills, so handwritten wills. Some states don't acknowledge it. So you want to make sure that, you know, that's not a factor with however you're creating this document. And then you want to make sure that you don't write anything after, you know, the signature witnesses notary. Nothing else should come after that. If you like have another thought, it should not be after the signatures because that's typically not considered going to be not going to be considered part of that um, that document. So, you know, those are some tips that you can kind of use to make sure that if you did as a last resort emergency <laughs> reason situation, then you, you know, follow those steps and that should get you to a place where you have something decent. Now, I can't tell you it's not going to end up in court, but at least, you know, it's better. You'll be in a better situation than Aretha Franklin if that, you know, sort of um, sort of helps. So, again, if you're a musician or artist, make sure you you take heed of this information. And if you're looking for somebody to to work with to sort of help you not fall into these type of situations, look no further give us a call we'll help you we got you and i hope this information was helpful and i'll see you next time